On this episode, I will introduce you to the basics of efficient facilitation, giving you a few tips and laying out some ground rules. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lean and Me Agile podcast with me, your host and Agile coach, Dimitri. As Lean Agile professionals, we often engage in facilitation of various events. Being a good facilitator goes far beyond your knowledge of the topic of discussion or being uh, even just a subject matter expert in some particular area. As Scrum Masters, Agile Coaches, Business Analysts and Project Managers, to a lesser extent, our success heavily relies on how well do people respond to our methods of making them work together and communicate with one another more efficiently. So being able to efficiently facilitate group sessions, for example, project inceptions, planning sessions, retrospectives, any forms of group mediation where decisions are made collaboratively and participants feel properly included is a skill of paramount importance. I really hope I do not have to emphasize it any further. As efficient facilitation is actually a very large topic and body of knowledge that deserves proper justice, I will not try and rush through the multitude of bullet points that I've sort of sketched for myself here to cover with you guys. But instead, I will progress through the topic logically, starting with where I believe the foundation lies, and then seeing kind of how much of this information fits into each podcast episode. As you know, they are timed to about 15 to 20 minutes. Tips that I'm going to give you will be practical, but we'll start with foundation that has a little bit of theory attached to it, of course, as with a lot of Lean Agile concepts. Tips that I'm going to be sharing with you are based on my learnings and key messages from the Skilled Facilitator Fieldbook by Schwartz, Davidson, Carlson and McKinney that was published in 2005. These are backed up by my own practical experience, as I said, um, facilitating various types of group sessions and observing both positive and negative behaviors. We will start by going through what is commonly referred to as ground rules of efficient facilitation. These ground rules, they describe positive, naturally, facilitation behaviors that improve overall group process. These ground rules could be, in general, applied to identification of unhelpful group behavior for your intervention, early intervention as a facilitator. They could also be used as a teaching tool in general to introduce and develop more effective behaviors to the group members, for example, to your Scrum team. And finally, uh, these can be used to uh, increase your own facilitation efficiency, depending on the exact role that you serve in that particular group situation, because Scrum Master and Scrum Team is being used here as just one of the loose examples. It doesn't have to be limited just to that. So, uh, without further ado, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about the ground rule number one. The ground, ground rule number one is that as a facilitator, you need to test your assumptions and inferences. To be clear on the terminology here, assumption means that you take for granted something that is true without verifying it. An inference is when you draw a conclusion about something that you don't know on the basis of something that you do know. Both of these things uh, have one issue. They result in an untested supposition. So you suppose something and it hasn't been tested and verified. So you do not know 
if your possible conclusion that you came to is true or not. The issue is not with assumptions and inferences because we make those naturally all the time just to better understand um, people that we talk to. When you test, however, your assumptions by expanding on the race topic or asking the speaker, whoever is speaking in the group, uh, in the discussion that you're facilitating to clarify their point or even playing back to them what you believe they have just said or what they meant, you generate a valid information that you and the rest of the group would use to make further free and informed choices as to how to continue in the discussion and what what conclusions, what actions come up eventually. Ground rule number two is to be transparent. This links very closely to lean agile fundamentals, to lean agile values and principles that we hopefully all have kind of uh, learned over time. Um, so basically this ground rule number two suggests that you aim to share all relevant information with the participants of the group session that you are facilitating. And you are obviously uh, modeling this positive behavior so that other participants start doing the same. So this relevant information shouldn't just be related to something that necessarily influences the decision or solves a particular problem that the group has gathered to solve, for example. But it also ideally should include the data that doesn't necessarily support someone's preferred position. When we have all the relevant information and when that information is shared freely around the group, all team members have then a common basis for generating a more informed decision and possibly a commitment to some sort of actions that we often want to end up with at the end of some session that we are facilitating. Ground rule number three is to encourage speakers to be specific by providing examples or making specific references. Being specific means that we are sharing more detailed information, within reason, of course, and subject to your common sense, I suppose, an assessment of what level of detail this particular event requires and what level of detail is welcome and not rabbit-holing too much into one particular topic and deviating. When you encourage team members to be specific about any point that they are raising, other group members can make more educated, independent decision, I'm repeating myself here, on whether or not the information is valid and how should it influence their own choices, actions, uh, voting that may be included in, let's say, actions that are raised during a retrospective and ultimately conclusions that these people will be drawing. Ground rule, rule number four is that you should explain your reasoning and the intent. Once again, we do not want untested assumptions. So you making your private reasoning public, you eliminate that ambiguity and you increase visibility of how you reached your conclusions, your own conclusions to the other team members. Hopefully, once again, modeling this positive right behavior. Ground rule number five is that it is more efficient to focus on the interests than on positions. Let's just unwrap that a little bit. Interests are needs and concerns of the people that you're having a group discussion with. Positions are usually solutions. To, so how people meet their needs and address their concerns and meet their interests. It is always more effective to get people to share their individual needs and concerns in relation to the topic of the group session or the workshop that you're facilitating 
agreeing on certain set of interests that are common for the whole group. So hopefully people will share some common interests and needs. Those certainly might not include all of the individual interests and needs that people might raise. So once that's done, the group usually is a lot more focused and efficient at generating solutions that address those group interests, needs and concerns. Ground rule number six is combining advocacy and inquiry. In general, this process can be simply described as explaining your point of view, including the interests, needs, concerns that you might have, and then asking others about their point of view, or inviting others to ask you questions about how you felt, what you just shared. This helps shift series of monologues mostly, for example, during a, let's say, team retrospective when individual team members are expressing their opinions about things that went not so well, perhaps, into a little bit more focused and a little bit more effective even discussion. As a facilitator, you could notice that one team member speaks after the other, but let's say uh, your cue could be the fact that nobody comments on previous speakers' remarks or the points that they made. If you don't invite others explicitly to inquire about or comment on the previous speaker's remarks, the focus constantly shifts. You understand it, right? So the constantly shifting context sort of doesn't create this particular useful discussion that leads you to some sort of a common consensus or some sort of um, set of actions that otherwise um, this is why you presumably gathered there to come up with. Ground rule number seven is to agree on the next steps as a group, not in any form of a chairman-style summary. Put simply, it means that uh, group discussions around the next steps and actions, they always work better than isolated conclusions that maybe the loudest or perhaps the most senior person in the room led the discussion to. Encouraging people to present their point of view about how they want to proceed for example, what retrospective actions they see as most important or what product features they see as the top priority, like depending on the type of workshop you're facilitating. So encouraging people to present those points and then asking others about their opinions and jointly coming up to the uh, kind of way of how to proceed, it tends to be a lot more inclusive of everyone's needs and interests even if not all of those get 100% addressed in the end. In fact, you can pretty much guarantee that not 100% of everything that was raised will be addressed in the end. Ground rule number eight addresses a sensitive topic of agreeing to discuss the uncomfortable or undiscussable issues. We've all, I'm sure, had those examples. Undiscussable issues are those that everyone knows about, but is too scared or otherwise reluctant to bring up because they're likely to make some people defensive or produce other negative consequences for the speaker. Groups often choose to not discuss the undiscussables, resulting in shoving real issues under the carpet, not resolving the real problem, dancing around it, and therefore, well, overall producing less than optimal outcome of the facilitated meeting. This ground rule is always difficult to introduce and stick to, mainly from the emotional burden that it bears, mainly from the fear of those consequences, or I don't want to use necessarily the term being victimized afterwards if you raised something really, really uncomfortable for another person, but everyone doesn't want to disrupt their usual kind of well-being within the organization. As a facilitator, 
you should be sensitive and strive to introduce better behavioral models like this one, like being able to respectfully as much as possible discuss those undiscussable things, but be smart about seeing to what extent you'd be able to realistically take those with the particular group or given very particular specific situation. It's very hard to make a blanket recommendation here, especially in the podcast format, without knowing exact uh, role of the facilitator and exact context of the discussion. And finally, ground rule number nine, be educated, seek further education, be smart about using decision-making rules that generate the level of group commitment that your particular session needed. This rule opens inevitably an extra topic that we won't have time to fully discuss on this episode, but we will look back to it in some further episodes, especially if there is interest in this topic. So what this kind of talks about in general is that a skilled facilitator needs to be aware of and recognize that there are four dominant types of decision-making. First type is delegative, second one is consensus, third one is democratic, and fourth is consultative. You can look these things up or you can wait until I expand on those in the next, uh, in the next episode, maybe on the next episode. There are also different degrees of acceptance, of decision acceptance that we have as human beings. They include resistance, non-compliance, compliance, enrollment, and internal commitment. Internal commitment obviously being the highest level of acceptance in the group decision where each member ideally of the group believes in the decision and sees it as their own and will basically go to whichever lengths and do whatever is necessary to make sure that the right actions will be done to make these things happen. This is where I am looking at the time now and this is where I think I will limit this uh, flow of information for you today, my friends, um, allowing you the next two weeks to digest this or maybe dig out further information on this because there is certainly a lot of it available on the internet um, and maybe listen to the episode again. I'm not going to stop you. Um, as I appreciate there were a lot of concepts introduced. This is not rocket science. A lot of it is common sense, but it does take time to digest when you look at something in a structured format like I'm trying to present to you. Your feedback and interest on this is welcome as always. Was this actually something of interest to you? Let me know. And if you find this type of knowledge helpful, I will certainly try to give you a little bit more of this because, uh, you know, there is only so much you can say about how to run a daily scrum meeting. Um, so I do think that we need to start expanding into the practical skills that a lot of um, us as Lean Agile practitioners should definitely have or seek to develop. On the next episode, again, depending on your interest and feedback, I pivot all the time because I also work with, with you guys. I could expand on this topic further like i'm saying uh, you know we could talk about um, decision making we could we could talk about a little bit more of psychology around this about the mutual learning model something that's known as mutual learning model and uh, maybe what i think i definitely should um, address i will talk to you about how to practically plan an efficient facilitated session regardless of what type of workshop it is of course it has to be catered for a specific um, topic and specific um, whatever you're trying to achieve in the workshop say uh, project inception would be very very different from a retrospective and those kind of things but in general when you're looking at setting up kind of the overall frame of an efficient facilitated workshop there is a bit of a framework 
and it's applicable to almost any type of workshop, as I said. So I think I will give you at the very least that, so that you feel a bit more rounded on this topic. Regarding the pre-announced Lean Agile certification system that I am building in the background, I've received a few notes of encouragement and expressions of interest to help test it. Thank you all. I do appreciate it. As an Agile person, I'm all about releasing early and testing assumptions, so you can expect an early adopter's build of this um, online examination and certification being available to a limited number of people within maybe about a month, I'm thinking. Probably first invitation codes being distributed around mid-June, towards the end of June perhaps. I will certainly make an announcement on this podcast. Further expressions of interest if you'd like to participate in testing the certification system and be among the early adopters, you're most welcome. You can reach me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and by emailing podcast at joinagile.com directly. Also, promised interviews, yes, they're coming, but because I do depend on other people's schedules, these keep being pushed back, which I cannot do much about, except stop telling you about those, as some of you might see it as generating false expectations, rather than being transparent about the planned pipeline of the content, which is exactly what I was trying to achieve. But it will happen. It will happen. There is interest in this. People are just unavailable. Anyway, thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Share with your friends if you think this is helping you. Perhaps it will help them. Get in touch. And otherwise, have a good time over the next two weeks. And I will talk to you soon. Mm